All right, quick reminder, everybody. If you're into firearms, firearms training, and firearms-related gear, and you haven't checked out the Vortex Edge podcast, you better go do it. You got Jim, who you're probably familiar with from the Vortex Nation podcast, hosting it. He's teamed up with the professional instructors over at Vortex Edge. It's tons of great content. Give it a watch on the Vortex Edge YouTube channel. Give it a listen on any of the major podcast platforms. You'll be a better shooter for it. Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. What is up, everybody? Jim to my right, Mr. Ryan Muckenhern across from me, and we are today talking about a rifle, an interesting rifle. I find this rifle extremely interesting. This is... The Scout Rifle. It's got a, a cool history to it. I, I'd say in some ways it's novel slash novel looking. I thought we had one here at Vortex, Jim, and we didn't. But I said to myself, who am I going to call that might have one of the things? Who who has novel guns? Who might go sometimes by the nickname Weird Gun Jim? And I texted you and you fired back immediately like, yeah, yeah I got one of those. I do. It's a bit bastardized, though. It's not how General Cooper, that's his name, right? That's Colonel. Not- Colonel, Colonel Cooper, Jeff, pardon me, Jeff Colonel Cooper. Jeff Cooper. It's yeah. not how he would have probably specced it out, but it. Uh, oh, I don't know, Jim. If this I, is, in okay. my opinion, this is the modern day scout rifle, and I think that's something to get into. Mm-hmm. But you know, mm-hmm. there's obviously some backstory, mm-hmm. right? Like if he was alive today, yep. Like that's, and he was running a scout rifle, it'd be probably tricked out like yours. I think the only concession that he would have made in the modern era is the optic, similar to what Jim has on there. You right think now. he would have insisted on the traditional? No. So the rifle would have remained the same, I think. Mm. Which, and so we maybe we need to circle back to the traditional before we get to where we're well, at we get, right yeah, now. Yeah, well, I'm just curious. So the optics of the time, the LPVO in this format didn't really exist. No. No. And, and that's, that's where the optic that has been now oh. affectionately labeled and termed the scout scope comes from. And I think if Jeff Cooper was around today, he would select a low-powered variable. I agree. Yep. I, I think you're 100% right. I also feel by starting with Jim's version of the scout rifle here, it's like one of those movie when they start the movie, it's like, you're probably wondering how I got here. And yeah. Then, and then now we need to start talking about the, the original This is my one. mom. <laughs> this is my dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, it is one of those situations. We need to talk about, for some people who aren't aware of what we're talking about, they're just, they're like, keep me in, guys. Yeah, the scout, scout rifle. What's the scout rifle concept, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Give us uh, give us a rundown. I'm I'm familiar. Yep. But. So, if you haven't ever seen a scout rifle in in the conventional sense, bolt action rifle, shorter barrel, with a full length rail or a rail relocation rather than over the top of the receiver, actually forward on the barrel, mm-hmm. with a long or extended eye relief optic on. On it, and there's a lot of other scout rifles on there that I, I don't want to like discredit or out there, I should say, that I don't want to discredit. So, like, take for instance Springfield's M1A yep. Scout Squad, okay? But like, if we go back in time to the original scout rifle that Jeff Cooper was talking about, it was a bolt action gun, highly accurate, versatile, a utility rifle, lightweight, handy, bolt gun, extended eye relief, magazine fed. Yep. What? 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 
bolt action were they working with at the time? I've, I've never known that. Everyone always just calls it the Scout rifle, but was it a Ruger? Was it a Winchester? Was it a I believe the Remington? first commercial was a Steyr. Yeah, because Steyr has had one for ever, forever. Yes, I mean as long as the idea basically has been around. Right? I, I think that was, was that what I was, think that was the first home run. I don't actually know what Jeff Cooper's first Scout rifle build was, and there's actually some some debate about who had the first Scout rifle too, because actually the Germans in World War II and they they had a Scout rifle. Really? Yeah, like an, an extended eye relief yeah. scope over yeah. the barrel, all that yeah. stuff. I don't Interesting. Know that it was termed Scout rifle, but they had an extended eye relief optic. Yeah, my opinion on it is that based on the time at which this was conceived, this was... I have, to look, I have to look this up. This was an answer to a similar vein of problem that was attempting to be answered in a number of different ways. It was a very general mm-hmm. sentence that I just said there. But like... Scopes back then weren't what they are today. That's no. just a fact, a matter of fact. And it seems as though, you know, I mean, on the battlefield, for example, you know, for a long time people were using iron sights and, and it's it's hard to deviate from what has been the norm for so long. In fact, there's still people to this day who have a hard time deviating from the old classic iron sights. And so... right. Well, and that's something important to point out about this version. Like, it had to have a set of irons and the forward-mounted optic. Right. Like, it wasn't an either. It was an and was part of that. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what I was thinking. It reminds me of peak under sights in some ways. Because people started coming up with all these ways to have the scope be not the primary thing. Like, they weren't ready to put all of their marbles or eggs into that basket, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they they all of a sudden started getting a scope stuck in their face, and they're like, well, I can't see as much around the scope. The image isn't that great. I feel like I can actually see better just with the naked eye. But I could, I could see how maybe the magnification that this thing can offer me could occasionally be useful. So maybe I'll try and... Put this thing in an area where it can be of use to me when I need it to be of use to me, but otherwise I can keep things the way they always were. So that's where you ended up with peak under sights, which totally kind of, I mean, negate many of the advantages of modern optics. That's why we always recommend to hunters that they kind of go the way of more traditional, well, now I say traditional, just the regular style rings. But then you had the scout scope that was getting mounted further forward because he felt that it would give your soldier the advantage in terms of they could see more peripherally around the scope and all that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, people didn't really trust scopes yet fully. No. Nope. So I just found some pictures of Jeff Cooper with a square bridge Mauser of some kind. Mm. It looked to be maybe a CZ. Who knows? Square bridge Mauser, anyway. Uh, Remington Mohawk, or 600 series. A Steyr, or Steyr. Okay. Depending on how you like to say it. All three of those things. He has a paper with the Remington 600 series that it appears to be the prototype. Yeah. Which makes sense because actually if you look at that gun, it was kind of a goofy rascal anyway and broke a lot of convention. It was a, quote, carbine bolt gun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Radical. Sort of like short, handy, yep. that kind of thing. They even had a, a, a goofy bolt handle and very wild front sights and a ventilated rib. Ventilated mm-hmm. rib. Mm-hmm. Ron, you used the word earlier like utility like utilitarian sure. and yep. i feel like part of the original concept was like essentially just to be a, 
a jack of all trades, yep. master of none, really. Yep. Just a good rifle that you could fight with. It could be a survival rifle. Uh, you could shoot big game with it. Short, handy, and probably you know for the time like lightweight. I think it yeah. was like they wanted it to be like between six point five, seven point between six point five and seven point five pounds. Yep. Was the rule I think that it, less than thirty nine inches or something like that? Did it have to be chambered in three hundred eight too? In three hundred eight, yeah, that was a thing too. Which yep. is, I find that interesting. I mean, we talk a lot about that cartridge, and when like when you talk about a a utilitarian cartridge, the three hundred eight is that one that we talk about. That's just pretty darn good. And it, everything. it is the multi tool of cartridges. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Pat Penning, open a can with it. Reliable old buddy, and every time you. You bump into one another, it's like you, like last time you saw each other was just yesterday. The relationship just works. It just works. That's the 308. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's kind of, that was the gist of it. I mean, they, they wanted it to do a little bit of everything. And at the time, well, did they always have, did they have to, I guess like you said, there was always scopes that existed in the world that could have that type of extended eye relief. But I mean, at the time, did Jeff Cooper in, in the U.S., did he have to, request that optics manufacturers over here start making something that could hold up to his request or had he seen these optics before and he was like we need to use these i think it was that yeah the, the latter and and pistol scopes oh yeah yeah and the idea there you had mentioned it earlier you have this huge wide peripheral that did you had available to you and then if you needed it you had your your aiming reference, your your center point there in the optic it was almost as if you put a magnifying glass just right on your iron sight kind of because yeah. it was so far out there. Yep. Not a big field yep. of view through the optic itself, but they were relying on your natural field of yep. view. And what's interesting is like if, you, if you've ever used a scout scope, you might be accustomed to them. If you haven't and, and you get behind me, like, this is different. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just different. What I think is kind of neat and a little bit endearing about them is that they, they continue to exist today. And there's like a subculture of people who love them. Yeah. And are are huge like collection groups out there. There was a big resurgence, or maybe not resurgence, but there was just all of a sudden it became a big thing. Yeah. In, I don't know, seven years ago or yep. something, like eight years ago. Yep. When I mean, I got one. Mossberg yep. came out with one. Ruger yep. came out with one. I can't remember if anybody else came out with them, mm-hmm. but I know all of a sudden everyone started talking about the Steyr one again. Yep. It was like the year of the modern scout rifle. Oh but my I gosh! Like- they were in articles on magazines. We came out with, of course, we still have the Crossfire two two to seven by thirty two scout scope yep. uh, with nine and a half inches of eye relief. Because I mean, it was like everyone was asking for one all of a sudden out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah, and scout scope or scout rifles rather hadn't not existed. Yeah, that whole time. In fact, and Ruger had kind of done them twice so prior to ruger's gunsight scout which is like the famous one and i i believe if i'm going to tip my hat to a, a single manufacturer model that helped fire this insurgents up it was the gunsight scout rifle is very clever it was a, a blend of modern and and retro all into one detachable box magazine aics pattern i mean everything about it was cool mm-hmm. and it was on a gray laminate stock and it was like Wow, that's that's very interesting. Prior to that, they had this rifle called the Mark II. I think it was called the Frontiersman or Frontier, which I'd actually sold quite a few of these, and they had them chambered in some interesting things, um, short-action cartridges. And it never, like, it, you looked at it, and you didn't think of it like a scout rifle. You looked at it as, like, a very just compact hunting rifle or, like, a youth gun because it was so small and handy and, and portable. But, but they actually had a quarter rib on there 
that they shared on their Ruger number one, a single shot. So this quarter rib comes forward to the receiver, and then they had their integral mounting system that goes oh, on there. Kind of like pro- on the M77 or whatever? Exactly. And then they had their proprietary rings on there. And then you would mount an EFR, or uh, not EFR, ER, extended eye relief scope on there. And that was always a thing, but it, it kind of got overlooked. And then they reintroduced hmm. the scout concept as the scout rifle, and people just went crazy for it. That was, I remember that, it was just wild. It was like, yeah. we got to have a scope for this now. Yep, yep. Jim, can you tip yours up there? I wanted to look at where you have, because on yours yeah. you have not a traditional scout scope. You've I don't have an the, extended eye relief scope on it. Um, but what? where, so where you have it mounted, though, I'd say is not a traditional spot for the rail. And I, and I also, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but in the original design, the rail did not go over no, the receiver island. No, this was a clever. This was a clever thing that I think Mossberg did when they came out with their scout gun uh, was because or their scout rifle. I think they understood that mm-hmm. there was a lot of people who were interested in the scout rifle concept, but there were a lot of people who weren't quite sure whether or not that's something that they wanted to full on invest into yet. Yep. So they made the rail go from the end of the receiver and goes out you know, to the normal place you'd expect it to, and then it carries on out over the barrel where it meets up. So you could mount either a traditional or a scout scope. I think that's a pretty nice way of going about it because you can you have the flexibility. You don't dump all this money into a scout rifle not really knowing what it's going to be like, find out maybe it's not your favorite thing ever, and then you're kind of stuck with it. This, right. You can go either way. So I have, you know, gone back to a traditional optic, but I did have a scout scope mounted up on it at one point, and it was interesting. Isn't the whole... Wasn't there a theory that one could engage, say, a moving target or, or engage a target yeah. more quickly. You yep. know, it was more of like a... Snapshot. Like a snapshot, yeah. Insti- instinctive shooting. You had the precision of the optic to assist, but you relied on your natural field of view and peripheral to acquire and then engage. Bang. Yeah. Have you shot a scout scope much, yeah. Ryan? Not much, but I've shot them before. I've, I've zeroed them for customers and put them together. Do you feel like that holds water, that argument? I don't. Not, I kind of don't either, only, I, but I, I say that without doing. Let me back up a little bit, right? So if I can put myself in the shoes of the 1981 developer of, if that was the year, the first scout rifle. Early like, 80s, it was yeah. the It was the most viable optical solution at the time out there. To execute the concept, red dots weren't necessarily a thing. Not not in the way that we think about them now. No, they still did have a an optic like a red dot at that time, and actually, well, actually, way well before that. But from a variable powered optic, or I should say, a magnified optic, that was the that was the best technology available. If I was to put it up against a low powered variable like Jim has, it negates all the talking points of the scout scopes like inherent speed of pickup of target moving or otherwise sure. because we start at 1x and because most of these optics if you tune your diopter correctly it's a both eyes open affair in the first place that's why we see low powered variables so prolific in, in competitions like multi-gun or in law enforcement use or military use because they are it's like there's no scope there you just you mm-hmm. have a reticle floating in space and you can engage at will and you seem completely and totally unimpeded by the optic I think if the low-powered variable existed in in the format that it does now. Then it probably wouldn't have been such a. You never would have seen yeah, that w- forward placement. I don't placement think it would have been a the... grandiose conversation. Yeah, um, they're they're admittedly kind of tricky to shoot well because it is a different experience if you've been accustomed to 
like regular rifle scopes the whole time because now you have your field of view and you have this very magnified point right in the middle of it and it's just, just kind of different yeah but it's you want to get the hang hang of it it's just like shooting a it feels rifle. much more like you're looking at picture in a picture yeah instead of looking at just whatever you're looking at yeah. I, I it's hard to very difficult to to explain yeah but when you look through a regular traditional rifle scope with about you know whatever four inches of eye relief you kind of pull it up and you are in it. Yep. You know, I mean, like you, you, you notice things that are happening around you, but definitely all of your focus is within the optic. And luckily, I think this is what I was kind of referring to at first, though. Optics are so good nowadays that that's not a bad thing. Nobody's nope. complaining about that. I mean, especially, you know, hey, I got my pinky up here. I got a Razor 1 to 6 on this gun. But that gun, that scope, like you said, the body of it around it disappears. Yep. And, it, and you just. All of a sudden, everything about your vision is just better by looking through the optic. And you have a nice reticle there. And so I think that's kind of this has turned into, uh, in a lot of ways, the Scott optic. I mean, heck, every time, you know, I, I uh, sometimes dabble in the YouTube world, you know. Oh, yeah. I'll, mm. I'll see various influencers who shoot guns and things and they're doing things. Everyone's always talking about the recce build. I feel like recce is the new word for scout. Sure. Oh, and they're like, oh yeah, it's sure. a recce gun. You get your rat, it's gotta, you get your rattle can out. Oh yeah, you get your you got to be rattle can. Yep. It's got to be five five six. It's got to have you know two actually, point sling on it. I don't actually know what barrel length everybody has determined as the recce setup. It, it could it seems to vary, but you know it, there are certain criteria about that gun, and the whole point of it is to be a gun that can do anything. Sure, and that's yeah. what they were trying to accomplish back then too with the scout gun, and so it's that's what it's morphed into. And you know I think one of the things about Ryan, and this is where your gun knowledge comes in handy, especially. One of the nice things about still having a scope like this, though, I mean, in, in I guess in some ways we've said, like, hey, I mean, the Scout concept absolutely has its place. It's super cool, but is it, like, mega advantageous? That's debatable. But there are some guns that you have to use something like this. Absolutely. Huh? Lever guns, yep. many lever guns. Yep. Like you said, the M1A. Now you can mount a traditional scope yep. on top of that thing, and it's a it's a bear, and it's dovetails, and it kind of sucks. There's other guns that are escaping my mind that <laughs> so, you'll remember. Right? So anything that would eject off the top. So you'd mentioned lever guns first and foremost. So if you're looking at a like a, a pre-angle eject Winchester 94, where they top eject, you cannot mount a modern rifle scope over the top of the receiver at least not at the 12 o'clock position right they do have offset mounts more often than not you have to rotate the scope 90 degrees in order to make that work and then your windage becomes your elevation your elevation becomes your windage it's a major concession Mm -hmm. and then there's just some inherent things like difficult to using that gun so with the optic in that placement if you then mount above the barrel forward of the receiver itself Presto. Yeah. So yeah, enter two to seven scout or any of the other scout scopes that are currently out there. Certainly a viable option. The M1 that you mentioned. So we unpack an M1A or an M14. They were never really designed to accept an optic. Like an optic on one of those things was, you know, a provisional attachment after its adoption and inception. Yeah. And so to put one on there now, like you had said, is kind of a three-handed operation. And a lot of times there's some some wonky stuff that goes on. They can be very difficult to, to to get really dialed in. Everything about those guns is difficult. Yeah. I nearly lost my thumb to that gun. Yeah. Oh, they'll bite it's you. It's just, yeah. The operating rod is simple. Which one? M1A. The M1A. Oh. That EBR that we have. Oh, I was yeah. the guy who put the EBR chassis on, which is a little bit suspect. 
We've used it for many years, though. Apparently, it works, but I did almost lose a thumb. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But there's another great example. Um, or anything that you would have to load from the top or ejects out of the top. And so let's look at a Mosin Nagant, for instance. Um, ah, yes. Yep. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of Mosins out there that get turned into scout builds. Um, whether whether it was the carbine or the rifle, what doesn't really matter. You know, that bolt comes up, it, it goes 90 degrees straight up and out. Now, you, you'll have guys that'll bend the bolts and things like this. But if you load them through a stripper clip, if you have a scope on top of it, that you're not doing that. Not very easily, right? So there enter the use of a scout scope. And actually, we have a number of people that'll mount these up on, like, revolvers as well. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I've heard, isn't it true that, like, the dedicated pistol scope has even yet a little more eye relief yeah. than 9.5? Yeah. Like, it can be in the in the teens, 12, the teens yep. even. Yeah. So if if you were thinking about doing that, usually we'd recommend that shooters keep it around 2 to 4X, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Um, inside of that, you start bringing the gun in a little bit. And mm-hmm. If it's a rowdy wheel gun, that can present its own set of issues. Ryan, you uh, you mentioned stripper clips, mm-hmm. and I feel like that was I feel like I read that was part of the original design too. Was the ability to, if needed, accept a stripper, accept yeah. a stripper clip, which obviously that, makes sense. that was that a big would, thing back then. Which I this is like um, whatever speculation, or as as we you know look at this rifle and then other offerings that were available during that time, even a little bit before that time, and where things have gone. I look at the scout rifle and the concepts and the things that people wanted it to do and be. And I almost feel like that era was just like this, not a no man's land. Very in between. But very in between. Yep. And we had what was before this, and then we, we, we kind of came up with this, and I'm not really sure how much it ever truly caught on. Like, we still see it today. People yeah. are still into it. But, you know, I don't think it was ever necessarily adopted right. by the military or something like right. that. And then... We, now we have AR-15s. Correct. Yeah, it, well, and, it, but like, what I wanted to ask though is, we had, we did have the M16. Sure. Already. Well, we had we an M- M16 in a different configuration, and like we had the Colt Sporter, and we had all the like you could you could as a civilian um, in or near that time period buy an AR-15 in some form or another. But in the early 80s, they had fixed carrying handles. Right. So putting an optic on it was a bit of a weird deal too. Well, it was like in, integral to the. Upper receiver at that point Correct. still, right? Yeah. Yep. It wasn't until we had the A2s and A3s. I shouldn't say A2s, but A3s and then A4s. When did those start coming out? Do you oh, know? gosh. Uh, don't quote me on the dates. Um, so I, I got to think when I got into the industry, I started selling guns like 05. They had been out for maybe, I don't know, a decade, maybe a little bit more than that. Some, somebody will have to Google that. Okay. So post early 80s, though. Y- yep. So then okay. we had the removable carry handle itself, this mm-hmm. would give us our section of Picatinny rail above the upper receiver, and then we could mount whatever optic we wanted on there. And, and here again, and this is total speculation, so if we, would, if we could have fast-forwarded a decade in, uh, I don't know what you want to call them, like combat utility arms technology, and we had the removable carry handle uh, atop of a, an, an M4, an AR, whatever, mm-hmm. would that have sunk this completely? Would that have been the thing? I think, yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. I I beg the question, and I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to this. But why would you elect to have a bolt action 308 that took M110 or SR25 magazines when you could have an AR10 that takes M110 or SR25 right. magazines? Like it wouldn't make sense. You could make an argument towards reliability, and that's what was going to be my next thing. Actually, sure. They're they're a little handier, perhaps. They they point a little bit more instinctively. Certainly, they can be a little bit lighter. But in, in the modern era, and maybe we're just spoiled by 
the undeniable utility of ARs. Yeah. Like, I'm not even an AR guy. And when I look at them, they're just like, what a fabulous tool for doing Oh, it's incredible. But can we be honest? They're boring. Yeah. At this point. I I love how many ARs you have. I love how much you've shot them in competition, how much you know about them, worked on them. And they're just like, but I'm <laughs> they're cold. That's why everyone keeps trying to come out with like the next thing. I mean, you know, everyone's trying to come out with their own copy of a scar. They're all trying to throw pistons and stuff. You know, and it's just it's everyone wants to do something other than the AR because they're bored with it. Yep. Because it just works so well. Yep. When, when was the last time an AK pattern rifle changed? Because the AR is better. Well, Mark. Mark. Easy. Uh, yes. But I I do I do comrade. Wonder if yeah, exactly if the AR maybe I like those better because I'm fighting for the right side, Jim. Something you want to tell everybody? Oh, 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 that's a big accusation, there, comrade. That was. <laughs> I'm like Jimmy. You want to tell anybody? He's like yet, yet, yet. Nine. If the AR had been around in the current form, then would this have been? What optic would they have put on it? That's the question. Well, okay, yeah, good point. You're so, not going to have an LPVL. You're correct. not going to have and a red no, dot. I mean, and they weren't as nice as they are today by any means. Sure. So I think somebody might have still been asking. Yep. It's really annoying when this subpar thing is the thing that's stuck in front of my face. Can we get it out in front of me so let's, you know? Yeah, yeah. I wish I, I really don't have any experience with optics of that era to speak to, no, much you know, what they were like looking through. You know what I mean? But Other than, you know, people's of, hunting red fields and stuff like that. I don't really know mm-hmm. much about them either. A lot of fishbowl, big heavy reticles, okay glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but ind- they're, they're, they're in, neat. They're endearing to look through. Every yeah. time I look through some, you know, old, it, it, it actually, the, the eyepiece, the one that looks like a tube TV. Oh, yeah, the wide, the wide fields. fields. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You look through those and I just think, you know, this is... There's this some nostalgia to it. This is fun. Yeah. I think those are neat, neat, neat. We Next assignment. I'm probably, you know, it, it's maybe I'm the same kind of guy where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is just, you know, it's kind of fun. But you know what? You want to get something more modern. And then meanwhile, people in the car industry, I'm like, no, old is better. I love carburetors. And then they're like, yeah, but, you know, there's like electronic cars now. Maybe I'm that guy for rifle scopes. Maybe. I'm sorry to all of those who are yeah. really trying to keep things old school for what I've done. You are anti-modern car. <laughs> That's true. But um, can't wait till you get that minivan, though. Oh, shut! No, shut up. You're gonna get one. Stop! I won't. They're the they're the AR of vehicles. Oh. No, I hate that you said that. You can put you, you load them up with stuff. You got room for everything. ARs are boring, but they're cool at least. Hey, I'm not saying it's cool. I don't mean to turn this the into a car podcast, cool. but if you the ever driven cool. a Dodge Grand Caravan SXT, that's the one with the V6, 300 right? Three hundred horsepower. I know they're quick, but that doesn't matter. It's still a minivan. Can we get off of this? Back on scout rifles. Um, <laughs> where were we? That, this is the modern scout rifle. I didn't make any friends saying that. No, you didn't <laughs> no. make any, none, none whatsoever. We were talking about something though. It was meant and, to be a compliment. I had, a, I had, you know, I had some conversation to bring to the table that was related to something we were talking about. Before the remember. derailment, it was AR-15s, if in the modern form, were then. Oh yeah. And optics weren't. What yeah. would, what would have happened? Would they have simply done that? And I don't know. That's a 
I guess if I if I was at that time frame, would I want to put a scout style scope on an AR-15? No, I'd go to the bolt gun because it would just sit better in my soul. I know what I was going to ask. But, we always talk about free floating barrels and stuff like that. You oh, stick a yeah. rail on top of your barrel and a scope on there. It's got to be doing something to your harmonics. N- maybe maybe not even just to the barrel itself, but what's happening to the scope as it's on top of the barrel, which is whipping. You know, I mean, we see people who shoot this crossfire 2 to 7 by 32 scout scope all the time, and, I mean, it, it holds up fine, but that's one of those things that I'm also like, how? Well, that's a great question. And does your accuracy suffer? I, I'm, I think I'm the, glad you got there, Jim, because that was my biggest question. I, I think the answer is maybe, but not definitively. Like, we've talked about free-floating in the past, and some people are nuts about needing a free-floated barrel. Sure, Like, sure. if it's not free-floated, I'm not buying it. There are a lot of guns that aren't free-floated. They are full contact bed, or they have uh, strategic pressure points at the end of the forearm or intermediately in the forearm or forward of the uh, uh, the, the shank on the barrel there. That's right. Yeah, bedded rifles always mess yep. me up in that because they're the opposite of free-floated. Right. And, and okay, let's unpack, and I'm, this is total speculation. At that time in our history, were we ranking a rifle poorly if it with a two power or one and a half power fixed magnification extended eye relief scope shot a minute and a half at 100 yards would we no. be yeah, right totally well, no, not at all well and i would say even in some ways particularly with this platform yep. the accuracy Wasn't you know the threshold of you know what would be considered acceptable yep. was not impressive I think well, it was like eight inches at 200 yards or something like that. Practical, right? Practical, and accurate. Exactly. But yeah. I'm saying maybe it was having an effect. I would have to think, just knowing what we know, that it was. Well, but I think it was still probably performing within the threshold. They're like, yep, that's doing what it's supposed this to do. This is That's my expectation. That's what I wanted to get out of it. That's the second time you've taken that light off. I think the light being on it is During funny. this podcast? No. Oh. I think the light being on it is more funny than anything. This is actually maybe a, a, a realistic setup. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, well, a lot of people putting the laser on their scout rifle. Why not? Why not? It's a very scout-ish thing I'm, to do. No, Look at this. I You're very heads oh up. Oh, laser. Gosh. Boom. I'm not saying that it's You're wrong. laser shaming I'm me. saying that I don't, it's probably not happening me. a lot. I don't think that you could necessarily say what a modern scout rifle should or shouldn't have because I think that part of the interesting thing about them is that is up to the user. So maybe you didn't want a detachable magazine because you didn't want your magazine to drop out under the duress of whatever incursion you were in. Maybe you wanted a blind box magazine for the undeniable security. Maybe you wanted to feed it from stripper clips. Maybe you wanted to feed it one at a time. Maybe you wanted a bayonet lug on it. Who knows? I, I think that Jim's build here is kind of cool. I wasn't attacking. I, I would have left the well, flashlight on there myself. I like the flashlight. The yeah, flashlight's wasn't bothering on. Me no. The flashlight's off. I can't decide yet. Like, like you said, like what, I'm not going to go kicking doors of this thing. But you could because it's a scout rifle yeah, and it has utility in its definition. You know, can you imagine going in with a 16? Is this this is a 16 or an 18 inch? I don't know barrel, but it. Sixteen. Yeah. Sixteen. 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 Imagine going with a 16 inch 308 bolt gun kicking doors. Better than a sharp stick. Get on the ground. Don't move. Get on the ground. Stop moving. Get on the ground. Bang. Bang. (laughs) (laughs) I recall seeing also a provision to be able to store things in the stock, Ryan. Are you thinking of the M6 Scout or a a bolt? Mm. Is that what I'm thinking of? I think you're thinking of the M6 Scout. 
Okay. That's that. Oh, that's a cool gun. That's Very that cool crazy gun. looking thing. Survival where, rifle. Yeah, the survival rifle. The, yeah. Different from the Henry one, mm-hmm. which collapses itself into its stock and floats down on water. Mm-hmm. This is the one that's all like skeletonized metal looking. Yep. and It's, it's, got, it's the... Uh, rifle version of the Liberator pistol. Yeah. But, di- but very different. And then Chiapa came out with one. And then it was a combination gun. Oh. Yes. 410 22 Hornet. Hornet. Oh, 22 Hornet. Yeah. Or .22 long rifle. Okay. They had a lot of flavors. Different scout, though. Yeah, different scout. But why not? Like, what, what, why why uphold it to a particular definition when it, when, when, I think that's, I think that's fine. If you, if you built your 1980s vintage scout rifle, and you had a pocket in the stock in which you could put a map, a compass, a couple extra cartridges, maybe some all-weather matches. A couple fish hooks. A couple, mm-hmm. yes. I think that's gold. Absolute gold. You I know, like it. Let's be- go. Before I had a red dot on this, and so I, I couldn't really test like the accuracy at 100 yards very well. I should have shot it at 50. I was, for whatever reason, I was trying to zero it at 100. I can't remember why. But... It'd be fun to test the accuracy with this thing, with the one to six on top, and actually zero. I think fifty yards is a more appropriate zero for this. But to see, I think what, it'd be interesting to do it fore and aft. Of course, on this one, it wouldn't really fore because and aft what he what Mark is looking to do here is determine whether or not an optic placement here has a negative impact on accuracy or here has oh. a positive. Do you think it, I mean, either way though, you still got this rail that's touching the barrel out there. Oh, you know? it's a big deal. Yeah. But I think I want to get into that someday when we start talking about what is acceptable accuracy and what isn't, because we, we have become obsessed with. Oh, Ryan. I, I'm just, there is no tolerance for inaccuracy. Okay. You're, what you're suggesting is unethical. I am not. What you're suggesting, Ryan, is actually you're suggesting you, that you're all right. We with are. Some level you of know, failure. we you're are okay. spoiled with accuracy you're these okay days. With failure, and I love it. You know how I, I feel about it. mega high BC and the discrediting of a given projectile or cartridge because it doesn't have some number associated with it that you know super fast or super high. Whatever. What do you, what do you think all the seven rim mag guys are thinking right now when you just said that? Well. <laughs> <laughs> they they never they never had it in the first place. Ooh, okay. um, right. But I I think we are way overthinking this accuracy situation. Like if if I could shoot a minute and a half, it if I could shoot even on what if I could shoot you're doing if I could shoot two minutes of angle with decent ammunition at a hundred yards, or if I could just let's just say not at a hundred yards, let's just say two minutes of angle with that, and I'm looking at the application of the rifle. Like how far are you going to shoot with a one and a half or a two and a half power fixed optic? Right, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. within the expectation yeah, yeah. of. I think it's fine. The person for yeah. what they're doing far, and why they have this. How far are you going to shoot though? What are you shooting at? Well, correct. Is it? I mean, you know, bad guys like at war or something, or is it a, a animal? Sure. Are you asking the question? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's something that you also have to figure sure. out, you know, when you're like, well, how far am I going to shoot 1X optic? Because you have competition guys who are forced to shoot 1X optics at 600 yards sometimes. And so mm-hmm. they're like, well, maybe that far. Yep. But, yeah, I don't, the accuracy standard, that is that is an interesting point. Oh, it's, I think about it every that's day. A, that's a can of worms there, Like, why is that? I can't even believe that worms. We're, we're absolutely blessed by it. Like, how could this be a problem for you? This is what we're doing right now. I don't think it's a. It's a it's I kind of want to. I kind of want to pack this. Problem for him. It's not because I love. I love good shooting rifles. Yeah, 
But what constitutes a good shooting rifle? Like, are you for talking you? about it just within the context of the scout rifle? Because then, then I think we're saying the same thing. I'm, I'm talking about it in general. What what constitutes a good shooting rifle for you, right? Consistent. Consistent. Is more than anything. Because uh, every uh, so often, I'll pull a tenth out of my out of my backside. Like, I'll lay down a point one. I don't deem that what? rifle. Oh, out of your yeah. back. Oh, okay. Got it. When I'm shooting? Not literally. Yeah, no. I was like, what are you removing? No. Spinal material or something? Like, <laughs> no, like I'll shoot. I'll shoot a tenth on the range. Oh yeah, and I'll. Be, you can, I can't say that that rifle's a tenth MOA gun. Oh sure, that's oh. Ri- that's ridiculous. Yeah, if I could do it twenty times in a row, sure. And my deviation was nil. Well, that's a tenth minute gun. That's a pretty special gun. Uh, but that's. I, I think I, I shouldn't be obsessed with that, and I shouldn't deem a rifle that shoots three quarter minutes of angle extremely consistent somehow worse, or even one minute of angle. One minute of angle for me as a hunter is like that's outstanding if it does it. That's a great place to start. Mm. Where's your con- where do you like your yep. consistency to lie? Is it primarily in the accuracy side of things? Is it in muzzle velocity side of things? Is it in? I think all of those things are together. There's all there's one. Yeah. Are you gonna come up someday with one specification that can be put on a gun? That's like a, that's like a. Oh, this scores X amount of Ryan's. <laughs> okay. What's the what's the Ryan on that gun? Oh, I'm my gun shoots five and a half Ryan's, and they're gonna be like, mm, mm. good shooting gun. Very nice. Very nice. I've, Very I've nice. seen people poo poo guns that, for their in, intended use shoot just fine because they don't shoot to some sort of quote unquote match grade standard. And that, I think that's silly. It is really annoying when you are like, Hey, I got this really cool lever gun. Look at this group. I shot at a hundred yards. It's really awesome. I had to load this ammo to get it to shoot this yep. way. And it's yep. like a group, you know, that big. And then some guy comes out of nowhere. Trash. I got a gun and it shoots one hole. Yep. And like, okay, what yep. is that? your Twelve thousand dollar PRS rifle, cool. And, and I, I, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I don't think that's a good deal. Right, but in contrast, though, if I've got a twelve thousand dollar PRS rifle, it better be shooting. Sure. Yeah, better be a half minute gun. Better be. Sure. Better be. Sure. I agree. I think maybe though that the the expectation has been somewhat unrealistically set. I get things. I get that way sometimes because over time we've grown accustomed to a certain standard of living mm-hmm. and uh, you want that precision. If sure. anyone has, it's Mark. Sure. I understand. But I don't think that the, the scout rifle... Every now and again you can get a circa 2004 Browning A-Bolt stainless stock or in 300 short that We've laid down some point lights every out. now and then. <laughs> We've laid down some point threes with that gun. That, that gun's always been a shooter, man. Yeah. But the point is, I don't, I don't know that you would necessarily have such a horribly adverse effect putting a scout rail on the barrel and putting an optic on it and dramatically changing. Like it seeing that. a difference. Yeah, I, I, if the rest of the system was sound, I just don't see it being that detrimental to the function and use of that arm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like really, I don't. So yeah, or you know, full length bedding channel cutout or uh, four inch channel cutout. Versus bedded, versus contact bedded. I have, it, it depends on the gun. I've got guns that are, like I said, full contact bedded, shoot lights out. Interesting. Some that are free floated that shoot lights out. It just depends. Interesting. Yep. The way you have this thing set up, Jim, it would be a heck of a deer rifle. And you know, that is the thing that we've been seeing and saying more and more around here on the office. A lot of people are 
whitetail hunting, what scope should I get? There's a lot of scopes you can get. There's, dudes can hunt around here in Wisconsin with a 4 to 16. I mean, maybe a 6 to 24. You can. Technically, you can. But we have been, see- I've been seeing more people hunting with low power variable optics, one to somethings, and we've been suggesting it more. Because why not? This thing here, yeah, you could, you could go out and shoot deer with this thing. I suppose if you really wanted to make sure a coyote was very dead, you could shoot, you know, that with this thing. You could, I don't know, you could do all kinds it's of stuff. It's a 308, Jim. You can do whatever you want. You can do anything you want. <laughs> well, so now that you mention that, I'm wondering, I'm kind of working on a little build right now in my head, and I'm wondering if I'm just making a modern scout rifle. Are you? And what are you what, is it, what, what does it constitute, this I, build that you're doing? I'm actually, like, really curious. You you usually buy old, interesting guns. You're building something right now? Kind that doesn't of. happen that often. Kind of. Okay. So I'll, I'll tell you, you what it is. Give some detail. All right. I'll tell you what it is. Got some friends on the European continent that yeah. do a lot of hunting in terrain that's not dissimilar from ours here in south-central Wisconsin, where we have a mix of heavy timber and agricultural land. Sure. So you have shot opportunities from 12 yards to, I was with Eric two weeks ago. I shot a deer at about two and a quarter. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And one of them said to me one time, why do you have such big guns in America, like big rifles? And I, I had misinterpreted the question. And I thought what he was talking about was um, cartridges. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, we've got these large critters like elk and moose and caribou. And he's like, no, 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 no not cartridges. He's like, we have elk, moose, and caribou in some form or fashion like a red stag instead of elk he's like i'm talking physically large rifles and i was like taking aback. i'm like well you know what i've got this 26 inch long 6.5 creedmoor that i use for long range hunting because i want the velocity he's like how, how far is long range and i'm like well you know i'll probably draw a line in the sand at five six hundred yards max he's like yeah we do that he's like i shoot you know red stag at 400 meters with my six five fifty five Swede, they're very dead. And it's like, well, you're right. And it's like an 18-inch barrel. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, I don't need all that stuff. Like, I'm not saying it's wasteful. I'm not yeah. saying that if you have a 24-inch rifle, you need to go cut your barrel off right now because it's not the case. But a good point was made. Like, what am I really exploiting with all that long barrel? And for practical purposes, and the right. answer is probably very little. At the distances that I'll hunt game or... Not necessarily that I'll hunt them, but probably encounter them um, around here. So here's my thought. I'm going to get a Tika T3X, probably a light stainless or just a regular light. Good start. I'm going to lop the barrel off at the minimum distance allowed from the bolt face to the end (laughs) to remain in compliance with uh, federal law. I'm going to thread it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put on it the most effective suppressor I possibly could. Okay, right. And I'm going to put on top of it a Razor HD 1 to 6. Cartridge? 308 Winchester. Yeah. Look at you. Yep. That's it's, that's a scout gun, right? I think after doing this, I realized that in fact it is. You know, the H- highly versatile, yeah. lightweight, handy, and utilitarian. The size thing is funny. Like the barrel length and all that, it is a funny thing, right? Because... I see all the time. You, you grow accustomed to the way things look in your head, and, and it becomes hard to ever see them any differently. So I have grown accustomed to, and I still remember the time that I first saw somebody with a 16-inch bolt gun. I've grown accustomed to seeing 24 to 28 inches plus on bolt-action rifles. That's normal. 
and then you see a 16 inch and you go up to them and you're like, did you SBR this thing? Yeah. How short is it? Like 10 inches? And they're like, no, it's a 16 inch barrel. Right. And you're like, well, you got to be having all kinds of compromises if you got a 16 inch barrel. I mean, is that thing basically like falling out of the end of the barrel? How do you have any velocity on that? Meanwhile, you look over at a guy who's got an AR-10 or an AR-15 with a 16-inch barrel now, and you're like, geez, you going pole vaulting <laughs> with that thing? Like, holy cow, yeah. you could spear the guy in the next trench in World War One with that thing It's so far. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's wild. And so, Isn't I don't that- know why it is with bolt-action rifles. Everyone, knows, at least over here, apparently, yeah. is like, oh, yeah, 24-inch barrel. That's pretty short. Yep. I you're, mean, gi- you're giving up so much velocity. Meanwhile... So you, you mentioned the AR dichotomy, well, with the barrel length, right, compared to the bolt gun. Um, when we had the 1 to 10 Gen 3 Razor come out, my first on-range day with that, this is before the release, but like getting yeah. acclimated to the, the, the final production units, we started doing build drills at 5 yards. I finished that day at 900 yards with the exact same gun, a 16-inch ADM 308 <laughs> firing 150 grain FMJ and I was with boring regularity smoking an Ipsic metric yeah. target at 900 yards with a 16 inch 308. Chris uh, Chris Urudi has been on the podcast before. He's one of the edge instructors. He has a Daniel Defense Mark 18. He won't let anyone forget it that he has one because he loves that. <laughs> and it's got a 10.3 inch barrel. It's 5.56 five, and he regularly shoots targets out to 600 Sometimes I think even seven. He knows the exact distance. He knows it down to like the tenth uh, yard. But he he has shot that thing out routinely yeah. to extended ranges, basically two twenty three with a ten point three inch barrel. Yep. So it's it's like yeah, somehow people's brains they just get oh bolt action rifle yeah minimum twenty four inch barrel yep. length you know what I mean or something like that like that's average yep. and then all of a sudden it's an AR and you're like oh yeah you're not exactly going to do anything all that different or it's not capable of anything all that different but it's maximum 16 inch barrel if you got an 18 inch barrel you, that's that's a full on SPR sniper rifle you got a slap of 3 to 18 on that thing yeah. there's no chance you're ever yep. taking that thing and doing anything quick or fast with it it's bizarre it is bizarre and I fall victim to the same mentality though yeah right like truly I do and for no good reason but yeah, that's that's kind of the new um, I guess the new build, and I guess now that we've talked about this, I, I'm just building a modern scout rifle. Well, like exactly what you said, like the attributes that you're looking for are the same things that this thing was trying to accomplish the whole time, the whole time. And uh, here I it was, was in front of our here I was dismissive the time. of the the weird quiet kid, <laughs> like guy's <"That's> weird. <laughs> the whole time he had the right rig. Oh gosh, such is life. I'm also going to put the uh, the. Orange furniture on it. Orange. Yes. I don't know. What's, oh, I don't know what you mean by that. Bakelite. No. So uh, it's Tika, a bit Tika on the new T3Xs have modular grip panels and modular forends, okay. and so they make grip panels in one different colors and two varying degrees of like vertical position. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you get like a sporter. It's got like a swept grip like that, and then you can get a, a basically vertical. Yeah. But it's not. It, it, you're not changing the rest of the stock to like a, oh mm-hmm. I think like an A5 pattern. You're not doing that. Oh, does it just it only comes in here more so? <laughs> no, it's like it, so you you have a much more vertical grip presentation. But then how does the rest of the stock stick out from there? Same, same. All it is is a module that goes under the grip. Oh, okay. Very clever. Like that. That and then they nice. have um, varying degrees of width in the forend. So you go to a beaver tail um, or semi beaver tail feeling. 
um, but they make them in orange. Blaze orange. Blaze orange. And you're gonna you're it, gonna uh, do that. Extremely. That seems so that. unclassic. That does. Yeah, that's. I, just, I don't, I don't think I'm. It seems not. It doesn't seem Ryan. I don't think I won't like it. It's just that I'm surprised it's, to hear it's, you say that you're going to do. Yeah. That. I. The only reason I'm thinking about it, I saw it in a catalog one time, um, and it was a Scandinavian hunter, who had. That's what made it okay. Oh yeah. Who had that setup, and yeah. that he gave you permission. Right to when like I it. right when I saw that, it had the orange bolt handle cover too. They've got like a, a knob, like a ball that'll go over the bolt knob, large in diameter, orange. And you're I looked at that. And I'm it. like, my yeah. gosh, that's cool. <laughs> I hope we get to when you're done with this thing. We got to do a podcast all about it. Have you talk us yeah. through it? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say this. I do. I do like you know most of my knives these days. Like my hunting knives. High vis, man, dude. All about it. Yep. Oh, if it's ever a nice piece of equipment, I do tend to like it in the more of a high vis color because yep. otherwise I lose it. What? I should get some that's orange need, like, fishing a, rods. Oh, you ever I'm, set a fishing rod down? Whew. Oh, on the banks of uh, like the Red Fork of the Powder River? Yes, I have, Mark. <laughs> Is it still there, per uh, chance, no, or it, somebody picked it up? It was located, but thankfully only because I found my trail through the, I don't know what kind of grass it is that grows on the banks of those things, and um, there it was. Mm. My brother and I were fishing cutthroat in this like creek that was like in the middle of the swamp. Like It was a pretty gnarly hike getting back in there. No trail, you know. Yep. Uh, surprised I came back, but... Uh, We'd done something, and we set our fishing rods down, and we spent a good part of the day trying to locate <laughs> our fishing rods. I'd love to see if we can actually somehow bring this back to the scout rifle. And it well, like Ryan so was that's what I want to know. I want to. I want to ask. We're too far. So that's that's my change that I'd make to make that style of rifle suit my needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm hoping that it wasn't necessarily a hard fast rule that you had to have the scout rifle do X, Y, and Z. I hope that it was like mission specific. Because I, I, I don't know necessarily that there was an intent behind it. Like, it had to be this model doing this thing. Well, I think if you're, like, it's kind of like when people do, cl- like, clones these days, sure. right? Like, if you were going to essentially, like, clone, like, the yeah. quotation mark quintessential scout rifle, yeah. Yeah. it's not going to be, to have some of these more modern attributes, I guess. Sure. But I think everything evolves over time, and what you're seeing is people like, yeah, I like the, uh, and I guess by attributes, I'm talking about the physical attributes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But people still like the functionality of what those attributes offered. It's just you can do it differently and better now. I want to mm. know what you would do and what you would do. But who would it be? Yeah. For what? Your scout rival. Or is this your example? Oh, this is it. Okay. No changes. Had, no changes made. I've had this Mossberg for probably t- whenever they started making these things. What ten years ago? Twelve years ago? Or something like that. I feel like it's been a long time. Maybe I'm overestimating. But this setup, I actually like this gun a lot. I like the way, like the ergonomics of it. I like that they gave it a synthetic stock. I like that it takes AR-10 magazines. So this is literally a Magpul P-Mag in here. Uh, I do like the fact that it is flexible in terms of having that long rail so you can mount a traditional optic on it or you could mount something on the forward end of it. Instead of an optic, I have put a laser on it. And that may be laughable to some, but for me, I'm like, okay... Mike Griffin down at the range got me into the world of night vision, which is fascinating. And so now I always want to be able to shoot at night. And so having an IR uh, laser, and this actually also has a vis laser on it too, but having that capability on it is very, I mean, it's just, it's kind of neat. I, I like that it's threaded barrel. I could put a suppressor on it. I think I will. And yeah, this is the setup. The mount's a little odd, I guess. I, I, could, get, I 
saw it at first and I was curious, but then I saw the designator on there and I thought, oh, well, that's to see over the top. Of gets it. the scope over the laser, gets the scope over this funny little dovetail rear iron sight that you have. But then I fixed it all. I didn't have to worry about eye relief because I got a Bradley cheek rest on the back. Shout out, Brad. There you go, Brad. Mark. What's yours, Mark? What's your scout rifle? I mean, my scout rifle, if I was going to try and accomplish the things that the original was working to accomplish, it'd be an AR-10 with a Gen 3 1-10 to on top. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I still have an element of nostalgia by still sticking right. with a bolt gun over here. I've gone about, I've departed about as far as you can go from a bolt gun. I literally even have Magpul P-Mags that you can stick into it. Without going and to an it AR. has a birdcage. And it has a birdcage <laughs> flasher. I've, I've gone as close to AR as one can go with a bolt gun, 16-inch barrel, without actually doing it. So I'm, I'm hanging on to that nostalgia, but you've, you've gone full. You're never I, afraid. And I, to... I don't think that's invalid. Mark's never afraid to go the modern route. Yeah, I don't think that's invalid, because I still think if, if the technology existed, that would be the route that I would have taken. Like, I agree. The, the convergent evolution paths would have led there anyway. Mm. Yeah. I think that's spot on. Yeah. By the way, Mark, tires on your Tundra look pretty bald. No, they've just always had no tread. They they came that it, way. We had freezing rain last night. I've got gray tires. It was fairly sketchy. It took me a little bit longer to get home yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> bridges and were, up the driveway. I put, I put it. Bad. I put it in four to get up my driveway. Yeah. I had the Hilux hanging tail on every corner. It was great. <laughs> and a scout anyway. rifle in the back. Scout rifle. Well, awesome guys. Well, this was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd I'd be curious to know. I love I I, I don't get a chance to respond. There's New Year's resolution. I don't want to say it because then I might have to not have to do it more, <laughs> but then I might have to be accountable for it. We get all we get a lot of great comments. I'm not a, I don't don't get to respond to all of them, but I love like I do read most of them. I'd say, and I love I when people comment. We get podcast ideas from the comments. Yeah, and I'd love to know. Other folks' perceptions on scout rifles. Do they have one? Have they always liked them? Do they think, oh, bah humbug, that was, you know, never should have been a thing? Are they looking at getting one? I hope I see a bunch of lever rifles show up in there, too. Oh, my gosh, Ryan. Uh, those lever guns with the scope over the barrel, that's awesome. And that's one of those things, too, where you talk about the ability to put an optic on at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I get you can do the offset thing and that's kind of a pain in the neck, but you know, you to put an optic on at all is nice. And I like when there is an option that's easily reversible, I'll say that, mm-hmm. to make an old mechanical device. I'm not even going to say just guns, but to make it very viable in modern sure whatever in in the way that people do things in the modern world. Sure. So, you know, you get a lever gun and, you know, you kind of get like, oh, yeah, that's cool lever gun. You know, it's just kind of like a neat old thing. And it's like, oh, well, you know, you can put a scope on it. And now it's perfectly viable deer gun out to, you know, many hundred. I'm not saying that you can't do it with iron sights. I get that. Somebody's going to be like, well, listen here, son. But, you know, you you didn't, you didn't He's permanently right. alter it in any way by right. putting a scope on it. A lot of them have that rail out there already. So that's really neat. And I like whenever you're able to do that. So I dig it. I do, too. Yeah. Anything else? I didn't. You know what? I'm surprised that I was building a scout rifle in my head this whole time. All this time, you didn't even know it. Yep. Yeah. My stars. Awesome. Let's go shoot this thing sometime, Jim. We should. I'd like to see how accurate it is. We should. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Take care. Happy hunting and shooting. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye. See ya.
All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button, give us a review, or leave a comment. We want to hear what you have to say. If you have a question or topic suggestion, let us know that as well via the Vortex Nation podcast YouTube page or any of Vortex's social platforms. That helps us cover exactly what you want to hear so we can provide the best information to help you with your hunting, shooting, and related activities, and ultimately enjoy them to their fullest potential. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.